as men, we have the opportunity to build positive influence in this world. And we can use our positive influence to make a positive impact in the lives of those around us. But this takes work and it takes intentionality to get it right. So how do we do this? In this conversation, I'm speaking with Ralph Anania, and he is going to share from his wealth of experience, the strategies and insightful guidance that he used not only to build 30 successful companies, but to raise three amazing successful children. Ralph is going to share with you how you can empower people around you by allowing them the freedom to make mistakes. You're going to discover ways that you can encourage growth at every level in your family, in your business, and in the community around you. You're going to learn why people don't easily open up to change. And you're going to explore the fundamental challenge that society is facing today and how our pre-programming is an impediment to a life of authenticity. And most of all, you're going to discover why you need to start with your children if you want to make a difference in the lives of others. My conversation with Ralph and Anya starts right now. You are listening to the Dads Making a Difference podcast, the number one podcast for men driven to live a life of significance. Men who want to make a difference in the lives of their families, in their business, and in the world around them. My name is Cam Hall, founder of Fight the Dabot and leader of the Dads Making a Difference Mastermind. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Now, let's dive in. Hello, my friend. Welcome to this episode of the Dads Making a Difference podcast. My name is Cam Hall. I am your host and founder of the Dads Making a Difference Mastermind Group. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing you to Ralph Anania. Ralph is a self-described family man. He is a father to three amazing children who he says continue to inspire him to do what matters most, to make a difference in the lives of others. Ralph is also a successful entrepreneur. He has built over 30 businesses after he built his flagship business with his brother to do $130 million annually. Now, Ralph won't talk about these things on this podcast. He's a very humble gentleman, but I share that because it points to his experience. Because 35 years of entrepreneurial experience has given him a valuable insight to what it takes to get through the highs and the lows in life. And he's going to share those highs and those lows in today's conversation. Ralph is also a speaker. He has spoken from stage in over 14 countries, and he's the author of the book, Life Done Right, Timeless Wisdom to Give You Hope and Inspiration for the Future. And we're going to dive into this a lot in our conversation. And I got to tell you, Ralph is joining us live today from the Gold Coast of Australia, and he gave me a glimpse out his window right now of what he's looking at, the beautiful ocean. I'm a little bit jealous, Ralph, as I look out my window of my office staring at snow, but excited to have Ralph on. So without further delay, here's my conversation with Ralph and Anya. Ralph, welcome to the Dads Making a Difference podcast. It's a pleasure to have you on. Kim, thanks for having me. And it's an absolute pleasure to be here. I got to tell you, Ralph, I've enjoyed this week because over the last uh, four to five days, I've had the pleasure to dive into your book. And we're going to dive oh, wow. in. And, and man, I love this book. It is a great work. And it's called Life Done Right, Timeless Wisdom to Give You Hope and Inspiration for the Future. And we're going to get there. I, we'll get there in the conversation. But I read your book and I was just telling my wife about it. I was like, this is such a great book. Like, We both need to read this right now. 
And I'm always curious because when I speak to someone or we have someone on who has had a certain level of success, um, a certain level of experience in their life, ups and downs, I'm always curious, where did it start? Like, what was the spark that started it? So I'd love to dive in and start right there. What was the spark for you, Ralph? What was growing up like for you? It was a challenge, to be honest, Cam. I I was um, born and raised in Sydney, Australia. My parents migrated from Italy. And growing up in in the 70s um, as a kid at school was pretty difficult. And, you know, you have the challenges that you have because you're a little bit different. You know that you're a little bit different. But um, then being bullied at school in an era that bullying wasn't even a word Mm. Um, was pretty challenging, you know, and it was uh, quite difficult to fit in, in into an environment that um, you just couldn't be yourself. You know, you had to continually try and be like the other kids just to fit in. And, you know, I I was never like that. It was like, you know, putting a round peg in a square hole. It, it doesn't it doesn't happen. And I and I just never really fit in. Um so I guess for me, it was following my dad um, through his entrepreneurial journey because he had uh, come across from Italy. He had worked for a couple of years. He had sent money back to to bring my mum over, and um, and my th- and three siblings, and then uh, myself and my younger brother were born here. Um, and he went into his own business um, uh, before I was even born, and it was a little corner fruit shop. And basically became, you know, a fruit and vegetable um, entrepreneur. And growing up before and after school, working in the family business and on weekends, you know, I, I was enjoying that more than I was enjoying school because, you know, I got to work with my hands and it was exciting and, you know, I was young and, you know, it's like, you know, my dad would take me to the central markets with him and it would be like real eye-opening because he's this little kid, you know, and it's all this, you know, um, busyness happening around you and everything's hustle and bustle in those central markets. And it was really exciting. I loved it from a young age. I loved it. And as I got a little bit older, um, school just became more difficult, to be honest. And learning was a bit of a challenge for me. And um, having immigrant parents, uh, you know, they wouldn't check your homework because, you know, they were still learning the language themselves. So, um, you know, I never got in trouble for not doing my homework because my parents would never check. Um, but it did it did sort of, you know, uh, I guess um, present me with some challenges uh, mm. later in life. And that, and that sort of that determination of wanting to achieve is what drove me and kept driving me. You know, I had I had to keep I guess fighting is the wrong word, but it's like you're continually having to to battle your way through um, just your your growing years to be able to to achieve results, and um, and that in a lot of ways you know makes you more resilient. Um, it does sort of challenge you at times because you've you're taking on things that you know you were never prepared for. But that's growth. That's what happens in life. You know, you you take what is presented to you and you've got two choices. You can either sit in a corner and cry about things or you can get up, dust yourself off and keep forging forward and learn by the mistakes. Yeah, I love that. I love that you relate to growth. We talk about growth a lot here on the podcast and growth doesn't come without pain. But 
you know, some discomfort, not always pain, but discomfort for sure. And you talk about your dad and this podcast is called dad's making a difference. So I always have to ask when someone brings up their dad in their story, uh, to ask about your father and I hope that's okay. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Because um, you, yeah, you, you mentioned in your book and I just wanted to say really quickly, I think it was beautiful how you described your dad in your book and what you learned from him. So yeah, share a little bit about your dad. Thank you. It, dad was a very proud man. Um, he was very well known and, and respected in the Italian community. Um, in in the the sixties, seventies, eighties, you know, I guess even going back to the fifties and earlier, you know, the the Italian uh, community is very tight knit, and um, and there was a lot of um, respect that uh, that was shown throughout, you know, that that period because they would stick together. The Italians would stick together, and they would uh, do deals together. They would um, support each other. And and dad was very well respected in that community. And and you know, two two things. I mean, dad taught me a few things, but um, you know, he, he taught me faith in God, he taught me all about family, and he taught me about hard work. Um, they were they were the fundamentals. But two things that you know he instilled in me um were was definitely um respect and integrity. And respect it was something that you always had to earn. Mm. You know, you you had to give respect before you got respect. And integrity was basically ensuring that everything that you did, you know, you kept your your nose clean, um, meaning that you know you didn't get into trouble, and you did everything with the, with the highest integrity um, in doing anything. If you set the bar high, you then can achieve a lot more. So, you know, two two things that he he was um, always very 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 adamant about was you know the respect and the integrity that you don't ever have questioned because you don't want to allow you know people to question your integrity. So, um, you know, and that came with when you give your word, your word is your bond. You know, my dad grew up um, in an era where a handshake was your signature in blood. You know, if you shook hands with somebody and you did a deal, that was that was it. There was no, you know, no court in the world could ever overturn that decision because it was a handshake and it was it was in concrete. So, um, yeah, that was the that was the fundamentals, I guess, of of um, of being. Uh, you know, by my dad's side for many, many years. But the entrepreneurial side was a part that I really enjoyed as well because, you know, whilst um, I didn't realise it at the time, the lessons that you learn, you know, um, growing up, you know, when they come into play for you in your life, you actually sit back and you think, wow, I didn't realise that those lessons were going to be so valuable today. Um, and and I, I, I enjoy enjoy reflecting back on that. I mean, my dad's past He's, um, you know, he's been gone for about seven years now. So, you know, I often reflect a lot on on the conversations we used to have, um, the the, you know, just the the, the bonding that I had um, with Dad, and he paved the the way for my entrepreneurial um, future. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. You know, like I said, it was beautiful how you described your dad in your book, and you share a story about how he just did the little things and he connected with people and he built relationships and how he would walk around the shop and cut pieces of fruit off to give to customers so they knew what they were getting. And it all came down to that like respect, relationship yeah. and integrity piece. And, and I can see that permeate through the stories in your book. But without you can't talk about dad without talking about mom. And you talk about your mom and your uh, book too. So tell tell us about your mom. Mom was well, yeah. Well, she was she was the, the the matriarch of the family. Um, you know, very strong, resilient 
uh, woman. I mean, she was literally, you know, five foot nothing. Um, she was only a, a small framed uh, woman, but, um, you know, she was very, very, very strong, uh, strong-willed, um, you know, and, and she went through a lot. My mum went through a lot. She suffered uh, a lot of uh, pain through her life because she wasn't well. She was... Um, she was hit with uh, osteoporosis and um, rheumatoid arthritis from a very young age, and she just carried that through, and and eventually, you know, ended up taking her in uh, in 2013. So she's been gone about 10 years now. Um, and again, you know, there's so much. There is so much that I learned from Mum. You know, that I I, I would never have um, believed that you know so much was retained until you actually go through you know that that phase of of life where you're doing things that you think, wow, because, you know, having, um, having been divorced now nearly nine years and, and, you know, raising uh, three children, you know, after the divorce that they were with me. So I had to, had to sort of learn a lot of new things and cooking was one of them. I mean, I could cook, but was only sort of fairly basic. And then as, as you go through these stages, you know, when you, and you've got to prepare like a full meal, which I had never really, really done except for a you know family barbecue or something like that. But, um, you know, I would be cooking and, you know, my children would love, you know, um, my mum's cooking, you know, and I tried to, to continue that through, um, through their upbringing. And, you know, I would literally sit in the kitchen at times and I would be preparing, you know, some of the meals that the Italian meals that my mum used to make. And I, I kid you not when I say this, I mean this so sincerely. Um, it's like my mum was in my hands. You know, it was like I didn't have any measuring cups because my my mum never did. Everything was done through, you know, feel, sense, you know, a pinch of this, and you know, and it was all of all of that. And and you know, the meals just come out beautifully, you know. And and I would sit back and I would think, wow, you know, mum was definitely, you know, controlling my hands because it happens seamlessly, you know. Uh, amazing, and I think about. You know, you describing your mom working through your hands and you describe your dad modeling integrity and relationship. And then also that working hard is important. And so when you're a teenager, you're a young man uh, and you take these, these two influences in your life and they drive you. What decisions did you make as a young guy that kind of got you into, you know, being a business owner, going into entrepreneurial endeavors, should we say? I guess the enjoyment was the first thing. I mean, I, I really did enjoy, you know, the hustle and bustle of the fresh produce industry, you know, because it's it's an industry that's governed by Mother Nature and Mother Nature, you know, dishes out challenges all the time. So it, it's all, there's always something exciting or challenging about the industry. Not, there are no two days that are, are identical. Um and look, I enjoyed it because I was born into it. So everything came fairly, you know, there was no effort in doing most of the things that I was um, taught growing up with, you know, side by side with my dad. Um, I, I guess for me, it was, um, you know, I, I dad never wanted me to sort of pursue that journey. He wanted me to be something better than that. And he wanted to give us a better life. And you know, I went out and did uh, accounting, but I, I didn't really enjoy it. I actually didn't enjoy it at all. And um, and I migrated back to the entrepreneurial world. And um, some of the things that I had learned as a kid were were easy. And then learning more and more about business and getting better at it. And, 
one of the things that I, I've never stopped doing is, is pursuing my own growth. And for me, you know, personal growth is huge. And we, we, we see it all the time. There's a lot said about personal development. There are a lot of things that, um, you know, that are sold out there with personal development. And majority of people don't do anything with that. You know, they'll buy something or they'll buy a course or a package or a program. And, and they'll think that, you know, if they do all that, um, then they're, you know, they've got it all sorted. But reality is that you've got to be disciplined. You've got to follow through. Now, I'm not saying that these programs or courses or, or, or you know, um, self-help books are not good for people. They are. But you've got to be able to take out what you believe you can um, put into your own life, implement into your own life, and then go and create something from it. It doesn't happen on its own. And I think most people that go to these self-help type of events or or courses that they take on, they expect, you know, at the end of it, that they're going to be like a fully changed person. And you can be, but it takes time. It takes time. It takes discipline. And you you have to follow through. So for me, because I didn't learn too well at school, I was always looking to, to better myself in every area. And in doing so, um, it helped me through my my business years, you know, and if I sit back today and reflect, you know, I've built, you know, well over 30 companies, um, some some very large ones in amongst that, um, and I've been able to do and achieve what I've been able to do and achieve by being able to identify the areas that I wasn't good at and mm. work on it and become better. I love that. I love that you took the time to reflect on it because we we hear the, maybe it's a cliche, success leaves clues. And what what I found in conversations that I've had with man business owners is that when they say that, they're actually referring to looking at somebody else's success and searching out the clues. But it sounds like in your journey, in your growth journey, you took ownership over that and you were reflecting and you start to see clues in your own life. You start to see indicators of things that work, but also the things that don't work. What were some of the indicators that you had in your journey? Because you meant you mentioned it, you've had a lot of success in business. So when you look back, what were some of the indicators that worked for you? And what were some of the indicators that didn't work that pushed you to change? The I guess the the the, the challenges that you experience on a daily basis is, is what paves the way for you to grow a successful life, future, business, family, whatever it whatever it is, you, you, you learn through those challenges and you grow through those challenges. That said, you know, sometimes you can easily miss the lessons because if, you, if you're experiencing uh, challenging times or difficulties, if you get caught up in the poor me syndrome and the doom and gloom and the negativity, you're always going to get a negative outcome. So I, I and let me tell you, um, you know, I'm human, so I fall into that category as well. I think everybody does, but don't stay there too long. It's okay to feel sorry for yourself. It's okay to fall into a doom and gloom, but then pick yourself up and go, no, I'm I'm now moving forward because um, if you don't, then you're you're not going to learn anything from from that uh, experience. And in every situation, and I even I teach my children this, you know that. If, if you take the lessons out of what your experience has been, that's what will allow you to grow and be able to do more and create more and grow to a level where you 
felt that you may not have been able to grow to before. But if you don't take the lessons out of it, you will always sit in doom and gloom. It will always be the negative side. And 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 I speak about this in the book where I talk about negative and positive energy. And I'm very big on energy. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a um, you know, I, I, there's a lot of there's a lot of work that I've done around energy and spiritual healing and and you know I'm very big on on the energy field and and I say that you know um negativity you know is is the killer of all things but in in the book and I use this as as uh, as an example is that you know energy is like water water doesn't know the difference between a plant and a weed and energy is exactly the same energy doesn't know the difference between positive and negative it's what you feed will grow. So if you feed your negative energy, then you're only going to be more negative. But if you feed your positive energy, then you will create positive outcomes in your life, be it in business, be it in family, whatever the case is, it'll be positive. So it's important that you surround yourself with positive people, first and foremost, build yourself a positive culture. So you've got that support, you know, and anytime that people speak negative, Stop it. Stop it or walk away. And and look, and I I fall into that a lot because there are a lot of people that I will deal with and sometimes I will um, inherit some of their negative baggage because of a conversation, but I've got to brush myself off. I don't want to hold on to that. And I try and get them out of it as well. And even in the workplace, I've I've recently acquired a, um, a food manufacturing business and you know I've got a lot of staff and I try and build that positive culture throughout the organization at every level. And what I do is I give people autonomy to be able to go and make decisions, but also make mistakes because with mistakes, they'll learn and they'll grow. What happens in society most of the time is that people are put in a position, they're not necessarily given the right tools to succeed, they fail and then they get blamed. Whereas I like to put people in a position where they've got autonomy, allow them to free flow. So if they do make a mistake, they're not going to get in trouble. If they make a mistake, we're going to sit and we're going to discuss and we're going to have a look at where they went wrong so they can learn from it. That will allow them to grow. And while they're growing, my organization's growing. So I like to encourage growth at every level. And if I do that through every stage of my life, then it becomes habit. It becomes habit. I don't have I don't have a different set of rules for my children as I do, you know, for the way that I run my business with my my staff, my you know, the culture that I have there. It's the same, and that's what's important. And in in society, I have seen too many times, Cam, and that's, I'm yeah, you know, I'm talking for myself now, yeah. um, where there are too too many people that will be um, will segregate. They they will they will have their this circle of friends where they'll treat them one way, they'll have their family where they'll treat them another way, and then they'll have their employees where they treat them another way. You can't do that because what that that happen, what happens in that situation is um, it, it then distorts authenticity. You know, how can you be authentic if you've got, you know, three different types of rules, you know, for three different types of situations? You know, your fundamentals should never change. Your fundamentals should never change. And, um, and that's what I, I like to share when I'm actually, you know, mentoring or you know, it just even in conversation with the children, it's always about um, giving them something to grow upon. I love it. There is so much there to unpack. And I want to circle back a little bit to something you said and maybe reinforce what you said, 
that, you know, the permission to make mistakes, the permission to not know, there, there's great power in that. And you empower people when you say, it's okay to take risks. And it's okay to make those mistakes and grow from them. And, and you talk in your book about change and how people can be reluctant to make change, even when that change might be positive. Why are, why are we so hesitant to follow through with change? Well, that's a really interesting point, and I'm glad you've raised it because I like to um, elaborate on change a lot. And it really comes down to one fundamental challenge that we have in society, and that is school. Mm. Unfortunately, we go to school and we're taught that if we make a mistake, we get into trouble, Mm. right? Very rarely are we taught that you've made a mistake here, but let's sit down and unpack it and see how we can address it so you can learn better. That doesn't happen enough. Now, my oldest daughter is a school teacher, so I know the challenges that she goes through, right? But unfortunately, Cam, at school, we are taught from a young age that practice makes perfect. And unfortunately, only perfect practice makes perfect. If you practice something that is wrong, and you are not shown how to fix it to be for it to be right, yeah. you can practice all you want. It's going to be wrong all the time. Right. So for me, I and, and I everything that I share, I share from my own real life experiences. I, that that is authenticity to me because mm-hmm. then I'm being real. I'm not sharing what I saw somebody else do or what I read in a textbook. I'm sharing what I've lived through my own life, and that's how I've learned. And I believe the best lessons are those that come in life where you can't learn at university, you can't learn at school, you know, and the challenges that I've been through in my business career, um, no university in the world would have been able to teach me the outcomes because when you have a business and you come to that part of the week where you need to pay wages and you don't have enough money to pay wages, no university in the world is ever going to teach you how to combat that at that particular time. So it comes with, you know, being um, disciplined, understanding, learning what has gone wrong, what needs to be adjusted, and that's how you grow. Now, you spoke a little bit about risk, and I am, you know, I'm a risk taker, but that's how I've grown over the years. What I've learned to do better is mitigate those risks. So there's risk in everything we do. Now, if we just sit back and society teaches us fear, right, we only have to look at what happened with the COVID-19 pandemic, right, how society got caught up in the fear, and now here we are three years later after the devastation, and we now see what happened with society globally that instigated fear in everybody and caused some of the, the outcomes that that came from it now i'm not here to um to talk about you know covid and the and the jabs and you know, that sort of stuff that's you know for a story for another time but i'm talking about fear you know and the fear that is put into people and that is why people then are not prepared to take some risk in their life yeah and so, yeah. you know, 
you, you know, one of one of the things that I, I would always mention when I'm on stage and speaking to an audience is that if you live in fear and you don't know how to move away from that, it'll take me back to a story that I once heard that somebody was so fearful that they they'd had some nightmare that they were going to be killed. And if they had um, if they had gotten out of their house, it could have been you know the end of their life. So they decided not to um, not to leave their house that day because they were in fear that something may have happened. And that day there was a massive storm, and a lightning bolt hit a tree. The tree came down on the house onto the the person's room and crushed them, and they died. And all because they had a fear of leaving the house because something was going to happen. Something's going to happen regardless. Yeah. Don't give it the energy. Yeah. You know, don't give it the energy. And, um, and, and you know, like, again, I only speak from my own, my own experience. And, you know, I've, I've challenged, um, you know, I've had prostate issues and, and challenged prostate cancer over the last 10 or 12 years. And I've just got some results recently because I get checked regularly that there's a growth there again. And I've got to uh, have surgery in a couple of days. And everybody's, you know, sort of saying to me, you know, oh, you know, it's happened again, and you know, you're, you're, this is like the fourth time now, and, um, you know, uh, how do you feel about it? And I go, I'm not giving it any energy. I don't care. If I don't feed it, it's not going to grow. So I don't give it energy. So if you are there challenges in life, absolutely. Are there risks that you need to be really careful of? Absolutely. But if you live in fear, you, you'll never get get anywhere. What you need to do is address what's in front of you. You know, if there is a truck coming for you, you've got to not be in fear that it's going to hit you because it will hit you. You've got to be smart and strategic and go, I've got to think quickly, how do I handle this? You know, and that's the biggest part of, um, of addressing fear. Hey guys, I wanted to take a moment and talk about our community of DMD brothers in the DMD mastermind. We are men who help each other to stay focused and intentional in our pursuits of personal, professional, physical, financial, emotional, and spiritual growth. We are a community of men who bring courage, wisdom, and transparency to unfiltered conversations that challenge us to be more impactful men, to be dads making a difference. We do this through our online and in-person events where men come together to speak into each other's lives and then turn around and do the deep work to create change in their families, in their businesses, and in the community around them. If you are wondering if this community might be right for you, you can find more information on the DMD Mastermind and you can also book a call directly with me at dmdmastermind.com. Now, let's get back to our show. I love that you point out that we are more we are programmed to respond a certain way to a negative stimulus. You know, you mentioned the education system. We we chatted last week. You know, I've I've been part of that education system for 17 years. And as an administrator of a high school, I have an opportunity to sit down with kids and talk about catastrophic versus non-catastrophic failure and how this is an opportunity to learn and to grow. And you can see that fear that. They think they've done something wrong and everything's going to be over. It's like, no, next step, man. Let's, let's move on. Next step. And you talk about how fear can hold us back, but it can also hold us back from being who we are meant to be. 
We, yeah. That fear is holding you back from being your authentic self. And in the book, you speak a lot to authenticity. And so how are we, maybe not how are we, but in what ways have you seen people be held back from being their authentic self? I think that um, most of the time they've been told a story that is not true Mm. and they get caught up in the story and start believing the story. And everyone that I speak to and I mentor and coach a lot of people still today, um, I say to them, you need to allow energy to flow, trust the universe. Our destiny is already our, our, our destiny has already been mapped out. So we need to just allow um, whatever it is that is coming to us to flow. What we do is we, we, we tend to block that. We tend to block it. Now, I've spoken to many people that, you know, something has happened and they'll tell you that they had this gut feeling that they knew they should have done this, but they've done that and it was the wrong result. You know, that's your spirit talking to you. A lot of the time when people say, you know, they've got this gut feel and that's your spirit saying to you, be careful or don't do it. And you should trust that. That's one thing that you should trust. And the, the thing that I... I guess I, I don't get caught up too too much in in the politics or what politics does to drive things. But one thing that I am passionate about and always have been passionate because you know I didn't learn that well at school um, is the way that you know the schooling system is mm-hmm. because you know we we put children through their schooling years, but we don't actually prepare them for society. You know there there is a gap there you know they 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 go from from school to college or, or you know, and then to university or, or from school to university whichever way it is depending on the country that you're in but they don't necessarily get to understand how to live in the society that you're in and i think that is one thing that that should be done in in schooling because you can't put kids through the same process you've got kids that are absolute genius mathematicians mm-hmm. and then you've got Got kids that are absolute geniuses with their minds and cr- create with their hands, and and they're not they're not equal. But in school they are equal. Yeah. And if you got little Johnny that that is getting fifty percent in maths, right? But he could be an absolute, um, you know, the best builder that was ever born. He's not he's not getting to realize that, and he won't get to realize it until much much later in life because he he then has to go out and pave his own journey to what he believes he should be doing in life. And I'm sure, I'm sure, Ken, that you've heard heard it yourself, and I'm sure that your listeners would have heard it many, many times, where children leave school and don't really know what they want to do with their life. Exactly. You know, and that yeah. and that that is that is a big, big, big issue because when they leave school, they should know what they want to do with their life. I mean, growing up, if a kid wants to be a fireman or a, or a, a doctor or a lawyer, if, if that's what they're, they're talking about doing as a kid, then that's where they should be molded into the direction that they need to go in. Now, I, I, I look at myself again. Everything I, I say, I say from my own personal experience, I could read a manual on anything. Right, putting together, you know, uh, something electronic, or putting together a, you know, a flat pack, um, you know, um, table or, or cupboard or something like that, and I could read it, and I would absolutely know 
would, would not do it justice by following that. If I look at the picture and I have a look at how it ends up yeah. and I've figured out all of the parts, all I keep doing is referring back to the picture for me mm-hmm. to be able to get it. Now, sure, that means that, you know, I've got a, a visual, my, my, my brain is stimulated visually, but at school, they don't determine which one you are. You're put into the same category, you know, and what happens as well, even further to that is that, you know, if you've got little Johnny who's only um, performing at 50%, you know, and then you've got someone that is performing at 99 you know, they're actually put in a category by the teacher that, you know, they're a dumb student or they're a slow learning student. And that is wrong. That is mm-hmm. wrong because you're you're putting them into, into a box. And what happens is that that child takes that into their adult life, yeah. you mm-hmm. know, and only recently I heard a story, um, you know, I like to use my time with with, with listening to podcasts and 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 watching you know, people that I follow, and um and you know I won't go into names dropping because I don't I don't believe in that. But I heard a story about um the change in a person's mindset, right, when they know that they can achieve or have given the opportunity to achieve. And the story was that there was a young guy who wasn't doing well at at college. He was partying with his mates. And I think he had gotten, he was an average in, in SATs and he had gotten a score, or he, he wasn't going to class and he wasn't um, doing his work, but he had sat for a test and his mother knew that he would cheat, but he wasn't able to cheat, right? And when he got his uh, score, he got 146 out of 160 mm. and the mother said to him, you cheated, you know, how, and he said, I didn't cheat. He said, I didn't cheat because I wasn't able to cheat. He said, sure, I would have cheated. And anyway, he got this score back and he said, because of the score, he started to act like someone that was capable of that score. So he started going to class and he started to better himself. He, he then, you know, went through college and then, you know, went and became successful in his own right and very, very successful, mm-hmm. Right. Some 10 or 12 or 13 years later, it might have been 15 years later, the, um, the, the board came out in that year that they made mistakes with, with the kids' papers and his actual score was not 146. It was something like 76 or 78. Wow. Right? Yeah. But because he got that piece of paper that said that his score was high, he started acting like that. Yep. He took himself to class. He stopped partying and he started to do something with his life. Now, all of that came because of the opportunity for him to step up, right? And this right. is this is the challenge, and this is why, why I'm getting back to the, the you know our schooling because the way that you are prepared for life commences at school, mm-hmm. and if you do it, if 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 you if you do well at school, you've got a better chance at the future. But there are so many people that are not necessarily great at, you know, at school at whatever level, but then they go out to be great business people, entrepreneurs, you know, leaders in their own right um, because they've got the determination and the passion. Um, so, look, I'm going off on a bit of a tangent there, but, okay. you know, it, it, it comes back to, again, it comes back to the schooling. And I try to instill into my children, I've, I've put my, my children through private school, not necessarily for the education, but more for the opportunities through life. Right. And 
all three are very independent and molded in their own right and um and you know not, and they'll be successful at every level but i think you know you've got to give them the opportunity to begin with you know and and don't crucify them if they if they're not understanding it yeah. you know yeah. um that's that's the difference yeah and you mentioned a little bit back about how we have this story that we we expect kids in this case to fit into it could be adults too there's a narrative that they feel that they need to play into instead of creating their own narrative in which they can fulfill and you you said something when we spoke last that really stuck to me and i remember is that you said that most people who don't think they are good enough they are good enough they just don't have the mindset shift to realize it and it sounds this in the example of schooling, but I've also seen it in young adults. I've seen it with people when they get married and there's a barrier between them and their spouse is that they just don't think they're good enough, but they are, but they can't make that mindset, that mindset shift to realize that they can, that they can create their own narrative, that they can take ownership and grow. And so I appreciate you diving in and it wasn't a tangent at all. I was, I, I, I'm with you a hundred percent, even as a person who has worked in the education system. I, I see it. I see it. Um, yeah. I want to shift gears a little bit because yep. your life on the business side has been successful, extremely successful. And a lot of people would dive into that and say, hey, look at what I've done. Uh, look at who I've worked with. Look at who I've spoken with. And what I appreciate about you, Ralph, and what I appreciate about the book too, is you talk about the importance that ego plays in how we live our life and how you made a shift in your life where you were operating at one stage and you made a change or things happened in your life where you had to make a change, where you started to operate differently. Can you speak to ego? Because I think it's really important for the guys listening to this right now to understand that you don't have to be this super successful business entrepreneur, whatever, to have ego being taken over your perspective and taken over your life. Yeah, that that's a great point to to talk to because ego played a very big part of my life for a long time. And the reason it played a big part is it it started from the bullying at school. Mm. And it was like everything I did and everything I had to go through life, I had to prove myself. You know, so every time I did something or every time I bought something, it was it was to prove myself. You know, it was all ego. And there was a period, there was a a big period of my life where I operated at a very high level at, at possibly 95% was ego and 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 5% was was empathy and and um and I think uh the lessons through that were um were hard hitting because part of that is what cost me my marriage um part of part of that you know that type of thinking also cost me some some relationships and friendships with with people um and the shift comes when you actually get to a point and all of this happened through the work that I've done, you know, with some of my my spiritual mentors and and my energy uh, mentors that I've worked with over the last ten years, is that you get to a point where you actually live in peace. You 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 don't have to prove anything to anybody, yeah. and what people think of me today, Cam, is none of my business. Like I I I, I, I literally don't care. Yeah, you know, I, I don't I don't care what people think of me. I mean, you know, when I say I, I don't care. It's it's not up to me if if you like or dislike me. I am who I am, you know. And I've seen 
and I and I think we may have touched on this. You know, I've 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 shared the stage with with many 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 um, you, you know, great wonderful people, and I've also shared the stage with people that have you know just fake. They they they're not real at all. They're, they've stolen other people's um, content and they've gone and shared that as as their own. Uh, re- reality is that when you be yourself and you lead from what comes naturally to you, um, you know, there, there's there's nothing to prove. You don't have to prove anything to anybody because that's that's who you are. You know, I, I've had a, a lot of uh, challenges in my life. I, I've, had, I've had a lot of success. I've had a lot of good things happen and, and, you know, adversities hit me probably more than most people. However, I don't get caught up in that, you know, and what I like to deliver is the ability to set an example for my children. I love it. And that is important for me, super important for me. So the, the, the number one priority that, that I always have at the top of mind is as much as, you know, I'm, I'm here to make a difference because that's my purpose. My purpose is to make a difference in somebody else's life, but it needs to start with my children because if I don't make a difference in my children's life, um, I can't make a difference in anybody else's because then I'm not being real. And that's where it's, you know, super, super important for me. I want to talk about your kids for a moment, but in just a moment. Um, but you just mentioned your purpose and you just flew through it like it. It's like, this is my purpose to make a difference in someone else's life. And then you started talking about your kids again. I want to pause there because when we first spoke and we were talking and you mentioned what your purpose was, I was like, got to have Ralph on the podcast because you said, I want to make a difference in someone's life, not make a difference in the world. I want to make a difference in someone's life, one person at a time. And if then that creates a reaction that other people are making a difference, we will change the world. But my purpose is to make a difference in somebody else's life. I just want to let you know how much I appreciated that and I respect that. And yeah, I didn't want that to get glossed over uh, as we move on. Uh, And but I but I also think it I also think it plays into the next part of our conversation. And you speak about your kids and you speak about, uh, you know, giving them a strong foundation, giving them purpose and making a difference in their lives. And I want to talk to the importance of a strong foundation. You touch, you touch on that in your book as well. Having a strong foundation when it comes to your personal life, uh, professional, business, financial, health, what have you. How as a dad, have you been able to, through the highs and lows that you, you've described in our conversation, through the highs and lows, have you been able to create a solid foundation for your kids? One of the most important things for me, um, especially through the divorce period, was to ensure that the children were stable. Mm-hmm. They were settled and they were stable. So that way, the challenges were there um, and you know, I, I could never ever even come close to understanding or imagining what it would be like to be the child of divorced parents because I didn't go through that experience. And until you've gone through it, you you can't comment. So my children, as much as I was suffering because of, of the separation, they were suffering as well. Um, and it was important for me to make sure that they were just in a safe, stable environment. And that was that was the number one priority. Um, from there, then you start to address you know, the challenges that come as they come. And, you know, sometimes there are conversations that have to happen that, you know, are a little bit hard and difficult to um, navigate through, but you have to have them all the same. And 
they're not always going to be uh, glossy conversations. Some of them are, are going to be quite difficult to have. But the one thing that I have um, that I've instilled in my children is to always come to me regardless, mm. whether um, whether it's good, bad or indifferent. Um, you know, don't ever lie to me. And uh, and we, we openly discuss um, everything that's going on. And, and and let's, you know, let's be real. I mean, there, there are children that, that go out there and do so many things behind their parents' back um, and then they get into trouble or things happen. Um, I say to my children, you know, if there's anything that you want to do or try or, or, or experience, then tell me about it. And I'd rather you do whatever you want to do in my, in my home. So you're in a safe environment. So, you know, if if you want to go and get drunk and, and, and work out what that feels like, get drunk at home because it's safe. You're not going to go out and be, um, you know, do something silly and, 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 you know, end ends up in a bad situation. So, um, you've got to allow children to experience life. If if you uh, if you put you, you're holding them in cotton wool all the time, then they're never going to learn. And you want to be able to there. You want to you want to be able to be there to support them and give them the best guidance. Not do it for them. As I say, I've I put my children through private school, but I haven't given them a life where I've done it for them. They've still had to navigate through. And I've been there to support them. Now, sure, they might have had some things um, that have been more privileged than than other people, but you know they've earned it as well. They haven't just been given everything on a silver platter. Excellent. So now you, you your children are grown. You're at a different stage uh, now in life, but still, you're a dad. And as a dad, yeah. uh, what's an area of growth that you're excited about right now, or something that you're working on? Uh, look, the, the, the next stage for me, um, Cam, I made a big life change move uh, late last year. I, uh, I moved from Sydney up to the Gold Coast, which is in Queensland. Um, my business is up here now and, uh, and I operate you know, 80% of my time up here, which, which I enjoy and the children enjoy it as well because they get to come up and spend time and it's like coming home, but it's still a holiday home. Yeah. For them, and they get to enjoy it. Um, but for me, you know, one of one of the, the the proudest things, I guess, is that you know, I have I've had my son. My son's just gone, get, uh, just about to finish his sports management um, degree at uni, and um, and he's come up and he, he's in, enjoyed seeing what the business does, and he's re- he's entrepreneurial. He's like me, um, you know, and and he sat and spoke to me about the potential of. Of coming and and uh, learning all about the business and potentially running the business one day, and I would never build a business for my children to take over. Yeah. But if they want to, and it's and it's what they um, what they really want to do, then I'm all for it. Um, for me, one of the reasons that I've always been I mean, I was born and raised in in the fresh produce industry, so food has always been um, in my DNA for for business. Um, but what I've learned over the years is that doesn't matter what happens with the economy, whether we're going through a recession, depression, um, you know, any sort of hardship, economic crisis. Food is always an industry that, you know, survives the challenges because people have to eat. Yeah. Um, so that the, the fluctuations aren't as bad as, as other industries. And um, I, I, it makes me proud when, when uh, my son would like to follow, you know, his father's footsteps because that's what I did. You know, I did, I followed my father's footsteps. And I think there's no prouder moment 
regardless of what that is. And 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 Cam and I say this very, very, very genuinely when I say this, right? That it doesn't matter what you do for a career. Just be the best at it. Just be the best at it. If you're the best at it, it doesn't matter. You know, if you if you in your DNA you, you're a really good janitor, then be a great janitor that, that you can tell your grandchildren stories. You know, we can't all be lawyers. We can't all be doctors. We can't all be Elon Musk. You know, we 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 everyone has a purpose of doing what they're doing. If I would, if I'm not doing what I'm doing, then I'm not feeding society either because I'm I'm giving society an opportunity to buy food. You know, Elon Musk is giving society an opportunity to be innovative with with technology. You know, everyone has a purpose. We can't all be the same thing. So if you're a janitor, and I say this all the time because I've had some amazing janitors work for me, you know, that's a career. It's not a job. You know, and, and a lot of people look at their their job and say, oh, this is just a job and it's boring. But what if you looked at it differently and made it exciting and instead of calling it a job, got serious about it, and made a career of it and became the best person that you could in that role. And whatever that may be for you, it, it's the inspiration that your children take from that. You know, I could I could have been a, a janitor with many, many really good stories for my children that would inspire them to go out and be a best something else. They don't have to be a janitor. You know, the fact that I'm in business and, you know, I'm entrepreneurial, you know, there's a there's a bigger um, landscape to work with, but it doesn't mean that, you know, I it stops there. You've got to be able to support the journey, whatever that journey is. But if most people stop looking at, you know, whatever job they have as a job and look at it as a career that they can grow and be innovative in, then I think that that leaves more to society for growth in every area. Powerful stuff. Very valuable stuff. Appreciate that. A great way to close off. Uh, Ralph, if somebody wants to learn more about you, if they want to pick up your book and it's here, I'm going to read the title again. It's called Life Done Right, Timeless Wisdom to Give You Hope and Inspiration for the Future. Where can they find your book? Where can they find out more about you? So the book's available uh, pretty much everywhere. It's um, Barnes and Noble is, is, I mean, they sell it in the stores, uh, especially in the US and Canada. Um, but just go to my website. It is just literally ralphanania.com. And, you know, they can contact me there. They can buy the book on there. They can listen to a whole host of things that I've got on the website, um, you know, or just follow me on socials. You know, my, my name is not a, a very common name, so it's easy to find me. <laughs> Excellent. Ralph. Thank you for being here. Thanks for the conversation. I'm going to walk away from this one and process through. I, you know, I like to listen back and I take lots of notes. There'll be lots of great takeaways from this. So yeah, just appreciate you. And thanks for being here. It's been an absolute pleasure, Cam. And if, um, if your listeners can take some of the wisdom that I've shared and implement it into their own life, then, you know, again, then that's my purpose and I've done my bit for, uh, for society. Thank you for joining me today on this episode of the Dad's Making a Difference podcast. I hope you found value in today's show. And if it made a positive impact on you, please share it with someone you know, leave a five-star review and subscribe so you don't miss out on upcoming episodes. I'm Cam Hall. Thank you for spending time with me today. And I will see you on the next episode of the DMD podcast.